Hi, this is Lori Denning, and this is my podcast, The 20 Minute Scriptorian, where we follow the Come Follow Me curriculum. I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints, and while this is an official, I am a believer in the gospel of Jesus Christ. A little bit scholarly, a little bit inspirational, this podcast will attempt to help us become better disciples of Christ. Join me, Scriptorians. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is Lori Denning, 20 Minute Scriptorian, and we're going to head into the second part of the testimony of Samuel the Lamanite. So in this last episode, and as we finish up uh, the book of Helaman, we are headed into one of the most dynamic times of the Lord's first coming into the Americas. And so we're, we've been watching the testimony and the instances of what's happened before for Helaman in Helaman's time, namely in Nephi and now in Samuel. And so we're going to continue on. Now, Samuel is our fan favorite, right? I mean, who doesn't love Samuel? Um, I will tell you one ridiculous story. I remember teaching, I don't know, 14, 15 year old Sunday school on Sunday when I was really young. So I don't even know if I had gone on a mission yet. So I remember being really young and asked to teach the class. And I had a particularly naughty student. And so we had her stand up on the table and we threw uh, mini marshmallows at her uh, and said, well, if you were holy enough, these wouldn't hit you. And so th- the kids, we all had a uh, terrible, uh, un- I don't know, just not very <laughs> saintly time at throwing marshmallows at a co-student and saying she was Samuel the Lamanite. So there are just lots of applications you could do with this. But, but today, let's jump back into Samuel and some of his prophecies. So one of the things I wanted to point out is how much this is a parallel. Mormon sets this book up, the structure, that the first half of these prophecies are going to come from Nephi. And Nephi is going to the people of Zarahemla and then what what happens to him. And you're going to see some parallels. And then there's this amazing um, middle section that we hear from, is it chapter 12? Boy, that's funny. I just wrote that down. But um, we hear... Mormons has this big editorial in the middle. Now, that's really unique, and that should jump out to you. There aren't many times that the writers of Scripture, I mean, think back to, you know, whether it's the book of John or, uh, you know, Mosiah or something. You don't get these long sections of editorial saying, now, if you missed it, here's what this is about, and here's why I'm putting this in here. And so here we have it. And so this is just a, a gem of, of what we should understand of what's going on here. So Helaman 12 is Mormon's great editorial that kind of is the uh, the fulcrum between these two sides, Nephi and Samuel, the two prophets. So there are these parallels, Mormon uh, right in the middle describing. Now, one of the things we're probably asking is why is Mormon putting this? And he is very clear of why he's putting this in. He's saying, I am going to tell you these stories because um, of the unsteadiness of the hearts of the children of men. And you're like, ooh, that stings. This is for our time as well. He's saying, as my people are prepared for Christ's first coming, they struggled and they failed. There were some bright stars, obviously, but they failed. And so I want to tell you, as I write the Book of Mormon, that this is going to happen in your time as you prepare for Christ's second coming. So very similar parallels. So he's going to say, this is where we failed, and this is what you need to watch for. And he goes through in depth. So we'll talk about that a little bit. But that's why this is going to be for us. This is time repeating itself. All right. So first, 
Why is this so important? On top of that, there's an interesting aside when Christ comes in Nephi. Remember, he has Nephi come and he says, hey, didn't Samuel the Lamanite prophesy to you guys? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Where are his records when they pull the records for uh, Christ? And he goes and gets them and puts them in. So an interesting aside that the that there were some records kept of Samuel, but they weren't kept in the official documents somehow. So it does seem that there's some kind of, well, you make the conclusion. Why did the Nephites, even in their scriptural side, not keep the prophecies of Samuel the Lamanite? The Lord had to remind them and chastise them at his coming of why is Samuel's uh, teachings not here. I think that underlines a couple things. It's important for us too. Perhaps, however, there is some prejudice against the prophets, um, specifically the Lamanites, too. So we see that. We think, boy, I don't really love to, I personally, I don't really love to read all those terrible things that I do and you say about me and my people. I don't, those are hard lessons to learn, so we don't love to read them. So we kind of, oh, no, no, you know, the, I only like to read the uh, really positive conference talks. I don't like to hear the chastising conference talks. Um, but I think there's a little bit of that. There's some prejudice against that happening as well as maybe against the prophets themselves. We see that with Nephi and many of the others. But we also see a great prejudice against the Lamanites. And so there are racial tensions and political tensions in that time, just as if there are today, right? Yeah. All right. Second, there are some interesting parallels that you might not have seen. In my study, going through and and going back to school and all that, one thing you really spend a lot of time in is in in the ancient prophets, in in what they call a Hebrew Bible in the Old Testament. And one thing that you see is that God has this pattern where he sends prophets to the people. And these prophets usually receive a vision of God, of himself, uh, and or they receive the message through a messenger, like an angel. So think about those stories. Like we've seen that in the Book of Mormon as well. So they they follow this really great pattern um, in the Book of Mormon as well. The Lord works the same way, that they receive a vision, and we call it a theophany in big words, a vision of God, or a cosmology, a vision vision of the creation, or or both. Uh, So if you think back to the Pearl of Great Price, you'll see it with Moses and Abraham and Enoch. You'll see it with Nephi and Lehi. And you'll also see it on and on, uh, Jacob. But you'll see it in the Old Testament, too. So as you look back, you'll see uh, visions of someone like Isaiah and Ezekiel. And there are a lot of them, actually. So if you go through, I know I mention them all the time, but there are so many of them that, um, that these visions, these theophanies and cosmologies, the calling of the prophets, uh, come up. And so while we don't know of Nephi's necessarily and Samuel's, we know that they're called of the prophet na- of an uh, angel and of God, and they mention that. So while uh, we don't see that. But the other thing is that prophets, um, you know, when I was growing up, I, I heard that word prophet, and there was always a little bit of the word like prophesying, um, or if you want to say it wrong, prophesizing. But, I, you know, did, did you grow up like that? I kind of grew up like that, and I used to think that a lot of the prophet's job was to tell the future. <laughs> Their job was to tell the future. It's like they were seeing into the future and they were going to tell us things. And some of you are probably nodding, yeah, yeah, that's what they do. And you're like, yeah, they, they do. But only about 10% or less of scripture is prophets telling the future. Now, we're going to get some of that today in Samuel. But but most of the time they don't. Um, most of the time they do what both Nephi and Samuel spend the majority of their time doing. And that's warning and teaching. They are covenant watchdogs. They're going to stand up and say, hey, you are... Uh, leaving, God wants to tell you you're straying from the path. You have left the covenant path. And to 
tell us where that covenant path is. So they are those that are, they're warning and testifying of God and telling us some, sure, what's to come, but that's not the majority of what to do. And I say that, and then that's what we're going to see today. There's also an interesting um, different step that you'll see in the Old Testament prophets that you see with both of these prophets, both Nephi and Samuel, that may have missed your attention at first blush. But there's something that um, scholars called sign acts, uh, A-C-T-S, act. Um, and that's where the prophet kind of acts out something th to show the people. It's like a live object lesson. Um, that the prophet's going to show to try to sh try to get the people to pay attention, to try to get their attention and really push this home. Um, you see the idea of it in parables, right? It's a story that means something else from Jesus. But the ancient prophets actually would act out things. And the first part of Ezekiel is full of a ton of these weird sign acts that, um, that he does. Uh, at one point, he builds a little city, um, a fake city, and he sits on the ground, and he builds a little Jerusalem, and then he stomps all over it to show this is what's going to happen when the Babylonians come. Um, and he lays on one side for a number of years, and then he lays on the other side, and then he only eats food cooked over um, poop um, to show this is what it's going to be like when the city is sacked. I mean, they're, they're strange. And so you're going to say, Lori, what is a prophet doing, doing that? Uh, one of my... Um, most favorites and ones you probably are less familiar with is Isaiah walks around naked for three years to show the people this is the humiliation that you will receive by uh, being uh, in the city of Jerusalem when it is sacked uh, by Babylon. So there, these sign acts, okay, so you're all probably like, what? I don't remember that. And you can go look them up. Um, but there are a ton of them in the Old Testament. But those are just a few of my, uh, the weirdest ones and the kind of the creepiest ones. But uh, but they're they're meant to shake you out of your uh, just complacency, like, hey, pay attention, the Lord's trying to warn you, and he's using his prophet, right? You remember even Jonah goes, and uh, Jonah has the greatest four-word sermon ever to the Assyrians, and then sits under a plant, a different story. So anyway, one day we'll talk about Jonah, but great stories, and you see Nephi doing the same. Nephi gets up on that tower, and then Samuel's going to get up on a tower. So you're going to see these parallels. They're both anciently, God sends prophets and people, He's going to send a vision, and they're going to warn to repent. And then these two prophets in this story that Mormon has chosen for us are going to have these parallels. First, they go to Zarahemla. They go to downtown um, Book of Mormon town, right? This is the big city. This is the New York. This is the Cairo. This is the Buenos Aires of the day. And they're going to get stand up on something tall. Nephi stands up on a tower, and he's praying and lamenting, right? And they're like, what's going on? And then Samuel gets up on a wall, right? So they both get up on something tall. That is not, we should see that parallel. They're both showing um, a very similar caution and that, that parallel draws us into, they're saying the same things. They're doing the same thing. You're like, oh, two prophets doing the same thing. Um, so you'll see that one. And then Samuel um, gets up on the wall and he says, you know, uh, well, he gets a revelation to go to the wall. And I love that it says why. It says, so that you might hear and know the judgments of God, which do await you because of your iniquities and know the condition of repentance. So he gets up on, this is in uh, chapter nine, about chapter, uh, verse 20, 21. And Samuel says, go, says, go to the wall so that you might hear and know the judgments of God which do await you. Why? Because of your iniquities. But 
to know the condition of your repentance. God's always got his hand outreach. Like if it seems like if we make even kind of an effort, it's like, okay, great. I'm welcoming you back. But he's calling us back, calling us back, calling us back. And then before his accusers, he lets them know, hey, destruction's coming. And I'm going to show you a sign so that you know. Okay. So in both cases, uh, as another parallel, in both cases, both Nephi and Samuel are protected. We immediately know the Samuel one. You're like, yeah, Lori, I remember. I remember that Freiburg painting where they're, they're shooting arrows and stuff at him and he doesn't get hit. Um, so we love that one. The, the rocks and the slings and the arrows don't hit Samuel. They don't hurt him. But we also for, uh, remember that Nephi is being attacked by the people. And in chapter 10, 15, 16, he is carried out of their midst. So the people can't attack him either. Right. So they both are protected physically. Uh, while they're prophesying. Uh, also, they both tell about the Lord taking his spirit from the people. They're going to say, you're going to suffer more, but, but there's hope. There's always this message of judgment with hope, judgment and hope. In fact, if you read any of the Old Testament prophets, they have the same message, judgment and hope, whether it's Isaiah or Ezekiel or Samuel, the Lamanite or Nephi, the Nephite, judgment and hope, repent and you'll be okay. And part of the chapter 12 in Mormon's great editorial, he uses the word remember, 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 right? We've heard that plenty of times as well, that we should remember the things the Lord has done for us. And that keeps us close to him. It helps us remember and repent, come back, come back to him. All right, moving on. One other idea that we see is there, Samuel prophesies, as, as does Nephi, of these, these miracles and wonders. And, and it's interesting. Haven't you heard? Well, don't. It's an it's a, uh, idolatrous generation that asks for a sign. But, but the Lord's constantly giving signs uh, in different ways. I mean, if you're just, um, it, let's look at that. In Jesus' time, um, some of the people in the book of Matthew had been plotting his death and they come to him and then they say, hey, why don't you do a sign for us? And that's where he lashes out and said, it's a wicked and idolatrous generation that asks for a sign. And he's like, oh, ye uh, hypocrites. Um, and, and so it's not just because they're just asking in a, in a kind way or they, they don't understand faith. Those people were plotting to kill him. And so just there are times when the Lord wants to show us his wonders, uh, as they're called, right, his wonders and miracles. He wants to be among us with his Holy Spirit. And so we're going to see that there are going to be some signs and wonders that are going to precede not only his birth, but his death. And they're going to show us and, and remind us, right? They're going to remember. They're going to teach us. So in chapter 16, we learn a little bit more in Helaman about these signs and wonders. Um, Nephi was out teaching and baptizing, it says, and Samuel is preaching. And it says this, that um, Samuel's up preaching and says that they were showing signs and wonders, speaking of Nephi specifically, working miracles and wonders among the people that they might know that, that the Christ must shortly come. Telling them of things which must shortly come that they might know and remember at the time of their coming that they had been made known unto them beforehand to the intent that they might believe. Therefore, as many believed on the word of words of Samuel went forth unto him to be baptized for this for the say say uh, for they say came re repenting and the same came repenting and confessing their sins so when Samuel was up on the wall 
he's saying the reason that we give these signs, the signs of the day without a night and the earthquakes and all the various signs that you've probably already studied this week, is because the Lord wants people to know that Christ is shortly going to come. And then when you look back, you're going to know. You're not just going to, you know, it's not just guessing anymore, but you're going to know and you're going to remember that you were told this before and you can believe. And so you can repent and confess your sins. And some do, right? Some come to Nephi and they say, hey, we, we believe. And I think it's some of the things that why we're going to have signs and wonders in our time is so that we can say, I can know that Christ is shortly coming and I can repent and confess, right? I can remember that God's in charge. So great times come in the way for the people of Nephi and uh, Lamanites as well, but also in our day that we might know and remember that the time of Christ must shortly come. All right, brothers and sisters, uh, that's all I've got for today. Um, I know some of you are anxious to go and read about some of those sign acts and see if Isaiah really did walk around for three years, and he did. So let me know what you think about that, and we will jump into 3 Nephi next. All right, keep on reading.